0: Today we're going to be talking about uh, tabletop RPGs and the evolution of gaming and where we feel like gaming is going to be headed in the future or if we're going to retrograde back towards the past. Um, It's it's an interesting, interesting subject, especially when you get into the nitty-gritty details about the different communities of both the gaming community as opposed to tabletop RPGs and retro gaming. They all got different issues and (laughs) problems at right now at this point in time and it's just it, it's it's interesting to go over update it when it gets updated <laughs> all right so <laughs> so you want to lead us off here um so we were yeah gonna, we were, first we we're going to discuss the tabletop rpgs so that was the first thing we were going to talk about
1: right um so for, uh, i guess uh you, well no go ahead okay so uh tabletop rpgs it's a uh, it's a It's a pretty large area, you know, because um, tabletop RPGs can extend anywhere from your simple, tried and true, choose your own adventure path. You have a character sheet, some dice, and somebody telling a story, and you determine the outcome. And it can swing all the way to something nitty and gritty, or even strategic, historical tabletop games, like uh, Bolt Action, which is a World War II miniatures game, and then also you have things like Warhammer 40k and Warhammer, yes, uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Hammer.
0: That I, you know, know for, for I would, it's kind of funny, but for the longest time I thought the Warhammer was just decorating the little figures. I thought that that's what it was. <laughs> it was just people really liked to build these you know epic battle scenes with their 40k you know figurines, and they'd spend all this right. time, like hand painting them and crafting them and. It was like a cool little battlescape. I thought it was super neat. But then I was like, people actually use that to play the game? I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just oh. nerds. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
1: and it's a money pit. It, it it is a money pit. As someone who played um, Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. um in my youth, and I, I mean like my early twenties. Um I was I was a dwarf I used dwarves. That that was my main army. Uh, I had, like, other units like Skaven and Empire and stuff like that and, and orcs, but my main army was uh, were the dwarves. And, man, we're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, not to mention the paint that goes in. Um, and then when I got myself a more steady and serious girlfriend, uh, I had to leave that behind because I wanted to spend time with her instead of painting oh, yeah, my that, miniatures. No, that's
0: like most, <laughs> most people I just think it's funny because, you know, I used to go to that um, Color Me Mime. You remember those back in the day? Yes. You go to the Color Me Mime and you have to paint these ceramic figures. And I always do like a very, very piss poor job painting. it. And I was like, (laughs) like, this is a a huge ceramic figure and I can't even paint this. Like, how are these people painting these tiny little figures? (laughs) Like, painstaking effort they must put into it. Oh man, it's super funny though. But the, the lore for the forty k Warhammer 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 forty k that that is interesting lore. I was super into it, even though I never played the game. I think the lore is really really well done, and it's consistent throughout the you know mostly consistent throughout the you know backstory. I mean, all the different classes uh, and stuff like that.
1: And uh, you know, we'll we'll definitely have to talk about this later. But the you know you have the Warhammer community, which is very especially the forty k community. Which is very passionate about their hobby. They are extremely passionate. In fact, um, uh, when Games Workshop uh, announced a few changes to their copyright and stuff like that, uh, which it kind of barred a lot of content creators from making independent animations
0: yeah.
1: of uh, of their uh, of the 40k lore, this uh, this upset the the you know the community as a whole pretty well, pretty pretty harshly. But we'll we'll definitely talk about that stuff, and because they're they, I think I think the uh, Warhammer community is more passionate about lore than uh, any other tabletop RPG game out there.
0: Yeah, because I be feel completely like Dungeons and, and Dragons is kind of a I, I don't I don't want to you know badmouth it or whatever, but I feel like it's kind of like choose as you go. I think they're kind of a little you know a little bit lax on lore wise I mean you can kind of create anything you really want I mean because some of the campaigns I made the guy from time crisis 3 he was my uh he was my character (laughs) I literally (laughs) just made a paladin with guns and that was oh that's hilarious (laughs) divine (laughs) shot so um I think that's cool I think that dungeons and dragons is a little bit more um what is it user friendly I should say for new players I think,
1: um, but... It's, it is now. Well, yeah, It is now.
0: But, you know, the um, other thing, though, is the players that have been playing that game for a long time, like Dungeon Masters is what they're called, I believe, like some uh, of those well, the, guys, the, and th- those guys are too much for me, you know, they... The, the,
1: dungeon, the dungeon Masters is, is pretty much kind of like, you know, they're the storyteller. They're the ones... I mean, most of the time they've been a dungeon master they've never been a player or you know generally they're the ones willing to accept the responsibility of basically lore keeper yeah you know and some people do take that role very seriously
0: yeah yeah. um there was a post on i think it was on reddit or twitter that somebody mm -hmm. was willing to um, be dungeon masters for new players and uh, he was charging people like Four hundred dollars a week or something like that depending on how many hours of play Yeah, he was way overcharging people and he was saying he was trying to claim that that's like general practice by charging You know so much Per player of a campaign and whether they they have to have already established characters first And you know, he's he's only willing to do so much, you know prep work beforehand It's just like wow do you it's like you're, you're trying to run run up on these new players that don't know what they're doing
1: right it's
0: it's, oh i I, that's that's just
1: actually terrible that can ruin the experience for new players that don't want to that want to get involved but if this is how they feel the community is like then they don't want to be part of it which is understandable you know
0: well i wouldn't want to be part of the
1: community either
0: yeah well the good thing is though the last couple years there was a, a big upturn of um what is it i think the new one i saw a lot on tiktok was gamers haven it was kind of like um well, we used to have a, we used to have it back in the day, I think it was like what nineties, early 2000s. It was like a, a a what is it a net cafe? It's like a net uh-huh. cafe, but it wasn't strictly for computers like they had they had both. They had the tabletop areas where you can play mm-hmm. you know Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer or you know whatever other. Uh, tabletop games there were and then they had the you know the computers that were set up for the land so you can play you know diablo 2 or counter-strike or you know Fantasy oh, land
1: parties games. i miss them yeah. i miss i miss land parties man I I'm, oh yeah i'm probably in i'm probably in a small community there you they're probably you know some people don't even know what a land party is
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is before i got out of the marine corps i had a uh <laughs> it was like the last week we were on duty. And uh, we set up a LAN party because I had a, a USB with uh, uh-huh. portable – it was portable games on the USB. So basically, oh. they didn't require an install. You could just plug in the USB or the external hard drive, and then you just drag the, uh, the game to the desktop, and then you can just play it. And you can play it nice. on LAN. So we played um, – what did we play? We played Half-Life 2. We played um, Counter-Strike <laughs> – what is it, Counter-Strike 1.6. And we played oh, um, uh, Alien vs Predator, so that was, like, oh, wow. was a pretty cool <laughs> game. So we had fun that night. I think there was like five of us that were playing it. Some people were, were on duty or whatever, but it was you know, we were just trading off when we did the rounds. So people would, you know, when I, we had to do the patrol, so I would do the patrol for like an hour and a half and come back and then we switch off. And then it was really cool. And land parties were were really neat. And uh, I think it's funny. When you see the streamers doing the LAN parties now and you can see how terrible they are at the game in real life, then it just makes you wonder. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Because, you know, it brings up all the, you know, Ben and I, uh, on a previous episode that isn't even out yet, we were talking about how um, there's a huge cheating, uh, it's basically a a known secret that a lot of the streamers that are playing games online now are all cheating like it's pretty much, well i'm sure it's pretty much known you know people know i mean they they, they kind of yeah. it's a, they found ways of cheating without actually cheating which is kind of sus as the kids, <laughs> kids call it these days but, yeah um, yeah not to stray too far from the subject though so right, um, right, right, right right all right i'm gonna go back we're gonna talk more about the tabletop rpgs so um what is it? So I was saying um, earlier before, before we started recording that um, gaming as a whole now is getting to a certain point where I feel like the retro games and um, tabletop RPGs may have you know, an increase in followership or at least increase in interest within the next couple of years. And I think it, it might eventually come back. So some people right. will disagree with me and think that, oh, no, people, you know, modern age modern times. But I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs>
1: no, I don't. I don't think that's the case either, because like, uh, well, OK, so for instance, uh, I'll use myself here as an example. All right. Um, the games that I mostly play or like I used to play, I used to play a lot of RPG games and I used to play platformers and shooters. Shooters have gotten stale. They're. They're fun, but they're not fun. Multiplayer is never really regulated all that well, unless it's like a big, you know, AAA game or whatever. Like, I still play Counter Strike, uh, Global Offensive.
0: I think now now the problem with a lot of the multiplayer games on, you know, current games is they rely too much on LFG. Is is if you want to play a game and you want to succeed in the game and play the game as it's intended, you have to either have a dedicated group of friends. Who consistently get on, on a regular basis, or have right. to rely on LFG, which LFG is a rotten cesspool of just evilness. <laughs> well, you know, y-
1: yes, and then you know, Counter Strike Global Offensive um, came out, I think maybe a year or two ago, and they had they they made the game basically free. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the the game is free, and you can you can queue up, look for a group but if you wanted to have access to what's pr- like called prime okay prime is where these are players who are dedicated to the game they don't cheat or at least they haven't been caught yet and they're good quality players they're willing to play you know as a team as a unit and work together this is what makes them prime yeah. but really but really all it is is that they bought the game they paid $15 for the game mm-hmm that's that's the only difference all yeah. right um i bought the game long time ago i was grandfathered in into prime gaming you know i'm not a decent player i'm i'm, I'm okay but uh, you know that uh, I, I it's still you know but what i was getting at is that most of the games that i play they are probably most of them are from my youth uh that steam has uh, you know graciously put on or i go to gog and i play games that i played as a kid because like strategy games or city builders or colony builders because those are entertaining still because they're open-ended and yes dungeons and dragons uh pathfinder any tabletop role-playing game which has that ability if you have a and and this is where it comes in you have to have committed player base Mm -hmm. if you don't have a committed player base it the the, your games are not going to last long you know i think i read I, I'm very ashamed to admit it, but there was a Vice article that came out about a group of, of players who had been playing the same campaign for 20 years.
0: I can see it, yeah.
1: You know, they have been playing the same campaign for 20... I wish I could have a group that dedicated to play for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you Destiny know,
0: Destiny 2, I couldn't get a dedicated group of players to play a raid once a week.
1: <laughs> so so you know and, and that's the thing you, you, you got to have that dedicated player base and you have to find them um but i think i i no I, I totally agree with you i think tabletop rpgs can because of because they have entered the mainstream now and and there's there's both negative and positive uh, points to
0: this yeah all right well you know it's, um, it's a lot more accessible too because i've seen a lot of um you know, dungeon masters and you know, game guides, I guess. I don't yeah. want to, I don't wanna say dungeon master for every campaign, for every, you know, tabletop. But um there's groups of people that, that host, you know, they'll they'll lead games through Discord or Skype mm-hmm. or, you know, teams. Like they you know, it's not you don't have to go out and meet somewhere anymore. You can just do it right. all over you know, over the computer.
1: One positive thing that came out from the pandemic was the, uh, fluctu- the, the the influx of tabletop digital tabletop communities, okay? Yeah. Um, like, for instance, well, Roll20 has been around before the pandemic. I've used Roll20 plenty of times. It's free uh, unless you want to pay for extra storage and have access to, like, little, um, little exciting uh, features, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, ambient lighting and fog of war and stuff like that. Uh there's there's that, but then also too there what came out as well was Fantasy Fantasy Grounds, which is on Steam. Uh it's also on a couple of platforms you can also buy it. It's the same thing, it's a digital tabletop uh, uh service that you pay either a, for a full license, which is like I think a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but you can only you, you know, you hold on to the license forever. If you want to host a game, your players all they have to do is get a demo version of the game, which is free. And then they have access to everything you have access. Oh,
0: that's cool. I didn't know oh, Yeah,
1: it's a lot of fun. I love Fantasy Grounds. And they just recently went over to Unity. So now they have a Unity branch of Fantasy Grounds. Yeah. And so this adds a little bit extra stuff. But the only problem with Fantasy Grounds is they are mainly with Wizards of the Coast. So a lot of the stuff that Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that owns Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. um. A lot of the content gets put there first before it actually hits the, sh- uh, the, sh- the stores, yeah. and, you know, that content is kind of overpriced in a way. You know, what I could probably pay for, like, I don't know, 30 bucks for a book, which is still kind of expensive, but still, it's, it's, it's gaming material and it's a wealth of knowledge. You're gonna probably pay maybe twice that for fantasy grounds because they're gonna throw in extras that you couldn't get, oh, yeah. um, so you know, like maps and yeah, tokens and little things like.
0: That. You know, and it's all digitally too, so you have it forever.
1: Right, so, you know. and but also too, what also drives those particular communities uh, are the fan base or the player base themselves, because what they'll do is they they'll sometimes create maps or artwork or tokens upload them to the forums and you can have them for free or pay a small fee for them Hmm. and so it's 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 really awesome to see that like you don't see that too often in you know in pc gaming you know yeah
0: um and it it helps too to like for people that you know want to visually see stuff you know what i mean oh yeah you know they want to see you know they like getting all into it on the computer. They don't have imagination. It's just like, I want to see what's going on.
1: <laughs> right, right. You yeah. um, know, like I'm, I'm kind right? of like that. Yeah, I'm definitely kind of like that. I, I need to visually see what's going on in order for me to do that. I can do the, the what's called theater of the mind um, stuff most of the time when I run a game. But generally, I like to give my players and myself, you know, an idea of what we're looking at. Yeah. Um Because sometimes the descriptions, I don't do them justice when I read them from from the book or I come up with a description myself. Uh, So it's just better for me to actually just like pull a picture from like Pinterest or uh, (laughs) from the web and just like throw it at them. and like, all right, this is what you're looking at, guys. It's something similar to this, you know, or this is what you're looking at.
0: So there was Um, a there's a TikTok profile where he would talk about um, I think it was like the Dungeon Master helpline or something like that. uh Oh, (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it but it it was pretty funny cuz he would get you know calls from you know dungeon masters you know it's all fake or whatever but anyway it's so funny is uh they'd be like my players did uh, created a nuclear bomb and they want to nuke the United States
1: oh god
0: <laughs> it was like how the hell did they manage to do that <laughs> and, then, <sighs> and then it shows like how they managed to somehow you know break the lore and somehow find a way to build a nuclear bomb
1: <laughs> uh, there there there's this meme out there I'm trying to remember how it went, but it basically requires you to use a, I forgot what the, what the, what the item, what the items are called in D and D. It's like a, a never ending, a pole, a never ending pole or something like that. And then some type of special hole that breaks into different dimensions. Yeah. And then if you break this hole, it causes a singularity, which in essentially causes a black hole. And it's like, the ultimate weapon
0: yeah and there was it like, is there was another <laughs> one too with like it was with the bag of holding and then like some sort of pocket dimension or some kind yeah the same, same, yeah same logic applies but it's, it's like really somebody funny.
1: actually sat there and been like huh yeah that, that could work <laughs> I, I
0: think that would be funny to just that's something like i would probably do is find a way to break you know the
1: oh man yeah there's all the sorts of different types just of
0: destroy everything yeah, a, there's
1: all sorts of different types of players out there that want to break the game or push the the rules to the limit and see how far they can get and get away with with the D, with the DM. Um, you know, I've I, think I think myself I.
0: I think it depends What's on how they go about it. I mean, there's ways you can probably huh. do that and have it be fun. But I mean, like you know, if you're trying to go about it just to be malicious or whatever, I I just, I could see that.
1: Yeah, you know, there there are those malicious. players.
0: I, <laughs> You know, and that's the other thing, too, is I wanted to talk about is it. just like the communities as a whole. I mean, you would think that people that would play tabletop games would have, you know, a better community spirit. You know what I mean? They, they, they like the game. They enjoy playing it. So you would think that they would be more receptive towards, you know, other people playing it. Well, but well, it's, it's, from what I've seen, a lot of it is the opposite where it's you know they get upset over certain things and they they don't take too kindly to uh new players which well it's not so
1: well okay so it's not so much that they don't take kindly to new players it's just that uh, i guess i'm going to have to i'm going to have to take the role of, of of the apologist here in this particular instance which is fine um it's not so much that they are wary of new players they're very welcoming to new players it's just a matter of what When they join the game what what kind of rules are they trying to change you know because you know we live you know with current year the way it is you know people want to be respected people want to have their pronouns and and all of this other you know stuff um respected and and adhere to and they want to bring that into the fantasy world some and i will admit yeah there are some gms out there um who are just like look this is a fantasy game. We're not here to bring real-world real world issues into the table. Um, we are here to be fantasy players. Um, if you want to be uh, a female character, fine. You you can be a female character. Yeah. If you want to be a male character, that's fine. You can be a male character. It doesn't matter. You want to be a prostitute, whatever. It, you know, it, it's, it's not a big deal. But if you're trying to do this because you are being malicious and you're trying to force others to conform...
0: Well, the way I see it too is you, know. you gotta you gotta be in, what is it? In, I don't want to say the word period attire. I know you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like yeah, you have to take into account that these fantasy worlds are taking place in a fantasy world, like sure, bringing in modern day stuff into you know pre you know predated you know. You know the, the the time period in which the game takes place i mean a lot right. of these things are are modern issues and shouldn't really be brought into these games you know what i mean if you're taking if your game takes place in modern day it, sure okay whatever but if you're sure sure sure, in, sure like the middle ages like like you have to Wait. take that into account like hey so this is in, right know, the year 1200 B.C. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> Well, well, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. So, you know, just to bring off a couple examples here, like I've been DMing since 2012. I, you know, that's around my late 20s. I, I, I didn't know about D and D. You know, all I ever played was, you know, Warhammer. I knew of Warhammer. I, I knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, but I never experienced it because it just wasn't in the circle of friends that I had. Mm-hmm. My Wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she did Vampire the Masquerade in Mexico. Yeah. And she was a LARPer, okay? So she would actually get up and dress up as a vampire from a particular house, and they would have a game night in uh, one of the local parks in Mexico, in her city, and they would, you know, play. They would LARP. And so when she basically explained to me what Vampire the Masquerade was, I started looking into it, and then I stumbled across... D&D fourth edition, because that was the current edition at the time uh, in Barnes and Noble. So I bought the box set, read the book. I was like, oh man, this is pretty cool. I like this. And so I, I got started and I've been gaming ever since. Um, I don't like fourth edition. So I immediately dropped it like a hot potato and went to 3.5, which was the previous mm-hmm. one. Um, super complicated, lots of customization, lots of, lots of stuff that you could do to it. It's Which made it fun. Um, but, anyways, uh, to my point, so I've experienced quite a few different things. I've had different players who've wanted to be malicious for just for malicious sake. You know, they they want to ruin everybody's time. Or I've had players who've wanted to change the rules to the established table, and everyone has already agreed to them. So, like for instance, you know, generally my games I use Tolkien and CS Lewis and more fantasy authors from my background, I'll tend to use the lore, sure, or I'll try to create my own. Most DMs do this. Um, I had a player one time who wanted to just be malicious. Every single time they wanted to do something, it was always either violence was the answer and they would pretend that they would be playing their character, but this wasn't the case. They were just causing the other players to be uncomfortable. And this is where, you know, DMs have to step in. The problem was I was new. And I think that's what the issue, where the issue lies. If you're a new DM, you really don't know how to say no to a player. You know, sometimes you have to say no to the player and just be like, hey, look, no, you can't do that. Or no, it's not possible. Yeah. Just because you rolled a natural 20 doesn't mean that you're successful. Okay. I think that's where most of the gripe is coming from. I might be wrong.
0: Well, but I, I think, think it think, comes from... I would think, too, that at the end of the day, the GM is, you know, the, the, basically the god of the game. I would, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean you, you have the option to not so much as, you know, force things to happen in certain instances, but kind of guide how it's progressing and being able to think on your feet and being able to, you know... Sure. As, you know, someone so-and-so wants to do this, then, you know, is it successful? Is it not? It's not supposed to be a set, you know, way of playing the game as, you know what I mean? Because that would just get boring. I mean, if the DM... But, you know, absolutely. With, no,
1: you're absolutely right.
0: If the DM comes up with a story, a plot, you know, the basic plot, the different things that happen in it, and then the ending, then that can get kind of stale. I mean, because you already sure. pre-planned in advance. I mean, what you're playing right. in the game, what you're rolling on the dice doesn't matter because the DM has already decided how the campaign is going to end that would be stale
1: no you're absolutely right and and sometimes you know sometimes it's okay to allow a little wackiness a little craziness to get into the game that's fine but when it's all the time it takes away from the other players who want to do either certain things or they want to immerse themselves into the story so for instance i had a player who was just being malicious constantly and i honestly had to pull a stunt that i honestly thought was a meme, but no other dms that i found that i talked to at the time when i was using reddit a lot for help um gave me this advice and so pretty much i just killed the character because i could and the player got upset he got mad um the other players were kind of in shock that i would do something like that and they were kind of like whoa (laughs) you know and we kind of didn't play because i was waiting for the dust to settle from that action but you know that's sometimes that happens sometimes you have to do that and you know another instance was i had invited we were down a person and that was we were we needed another person the group wanted another person and so i had put out an ad looking for another player for our group um i met somebody online i told them like hey here's a here's a synopsis and uh just to let you know what our game is currently about right now and if this is something that you want to get into let me know they immediately said they wanted to join they had a character ready as soon as we got started into it there was some and i quote problematic ideas with the story that they didn't approve of and i asked them well did you read my synopsis and what this game is going to be about they said no i just wanted to play i said well i'm not changing the game for you because everybody else has agreed to these terms yeah you know if if you don't want to play, that's fine. You don't have to. But I'm not changing the game yeah, because that would,
0: end up being, that would just end up being just confusing. I mean, because you already had something pre-planned in advance, like some sort of synopsis, and then somebody shows up and they're like, "Well, I don't like this. Can you change it?" It's like, "Well, I can change a little bit of it, but I'm not going to change the whole thing because then I'd have to rewrite it."
1: And it's right. Written, and, and I, I, I think a lot of GMS, be- I think a lot of GMS should start doing that. I think it saves the trouble. As long as you put a synopsis and what your game is going to be covering, you can avoid these problematic, I hate using that word, but that's what it is. These problematic players, you can avoid that and, you know, you can separate the wheat from the chaff and those people can find a game that's for them and you can have players that's for your game.
0: Yeah, I would just, be, know. Like, I would just be like, you go to open the chest. And as you open the chest, you realize the chest was a decoy, and a giant anvil that was tied to a rope lands on your head and kills you. <laughs> you know, so it's I think I think the problem
1: stems from like a lot of young GMs, um, because the, since D I and mean, D and most RPG games have gone mainstream because of Critical Role, um, Stranger Things, and just general nerd culture now because it's cool to be a nerd. It's cool to be a geek now. You know, yeah. back in the 80s and 90s when we were growing up, it was like you kept that secret. You, you know, you had your your yeah, land I had, parties, I had you know,
0: group, different friend groups. I had my nerd friend groups where we do nerd stuff. And then right. when, uh, uh, I'd have my regular group of friends that were not nerds.
1: Right. So exactly. Like, you know, I, I it, it was the choose. same thing for me growing up. I had my circle of friends that were nerds. And so we did gaming and what. And I had friends who were like goths and they were all depressed and emo and shit. So, yeah, there were that. You know, but now that it's mainstream, it's so cool to be a geek. It's so be cool to be a nerd. I just that it's, it's neat. It,
0: I just think it's neat because now it just it introduces a lot of people into things that they may not have done. You know, when they were growing up. I mean, sure. You know, oh, I never huh. got to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. It was a nerd, <laughs> and I would have gotten made fun of. But now it's like, hey, if you want to do something, you just go do it. It's you know. No, absolutely. absolutely
1: cool. But I also think and that then, there yeah. are some people out there who harbor that i guess that that not animosity maybe it's just those feelings from their youth and they just try to keep other people out because they just this is their safe space this is their circle you know this is their uh what was the meme that their no-no square <laughs> um, that's a that's terrible that that's terrible. I can't believe I said that. But this is this <laughs> no. yeah, I know. It's
0: this, <laughs> this podcast is going to do something.
1: But this is this, you know, this is their area. They don't want anyone to get into it. And so they they gatekeep as much as
0: possible. I hate gatekeeping. People are always trying to gatekeep people from other things. I mean Reddit was probably huge on gatekeeping literally everything. Right. I mean, I was trying to get back into kayaking a couple of years ago, and I was gatekeep. What was it, gatekeeped? Gatekept. <laughs> gatekept. I kept? I was gatekept I think so. from uh, going That kayaking. sounds right. And I was that like, what the right. heck's going on here? Like, how are you going to brigade me and ban me from the kayaking subreddit because I had questions? <laughs> and because I couldn't prove the route that I went on, and it was stupid. And it, right. Know, and it's, it's stuff like that is all over the place. It's just people trying to gatekeep other people from enjoying content. I mean, if you enjoy a content, like legitimately enjoy it, and you want to go out and you want to learn, and, you know, every, a lot of people are new to stuff. I mean, oh, no,
1: absolutely. People, I mean,
0: people don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, but, you know, they want to get into it. Maybe something they want to do, you know, for a little bit, or maybe it's something they want to do long term, and that's totally fine. I mean, they should <laughs> let people. You know, test the waters a little bit. Hey, you know, sure. new player. No you don't know what the heck you're doing, you know, you need help with a lot of things and some people are receptive to that and other people they're not. They're like, Well, I don't want to play right. with a new player. You know, we, we right. have I, I only play with people that have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for ten years. I don't play with any new players. <laughs> like, right. You know right. those people exist and that's you know, what oh. I am saying is a little bit ridiculous, but it's true. I mean there's no 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 like there are people out there like that. No, I mm-hmm. totally agree. They're like, oh, I can't believe this person's starting to play. They're just, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't right. know what yeah, uh, you know,
1: and uh, and I'll admit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a gatekeeper, but I'm not a gatekeeper in the sense that I don't want anyone into the medium. You know, I want everyone. It's it's for everybody, but the thing is that if you're trying to invoke. You know racial politics into it just like you know, just like recently with that big snafu that came out where people said that orcs were you know African Americans or they were blacks or whatever the case was. You, you, you know, that's offensive. No, no, they're just they're fantasy creatures yeah. and a lot of people were, I mean, it's a minority. now I will be the first to admit it is a small minority of people who are doing this, but they are loud. And sometimes they can sway companies because they're such a minority and they're the loudest minority of people um, that they can sway a company's idea or whole plan of, of of how they run their business or how they do their thing. You know, they try to they try to cancel Tolkien, you know, because of this, like you can't cancel Tolkien. Tolkien's dead. All right. <laughs> he He's in the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. He, you,
1: you know, Peter... Day. Yeah, Peter Jackson made his money, made his movie.
0: The reason the Earth still still, uh, spins is because Tolkien is constantly...
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's just like, you know, they they try to cancel Tolkien because they they, they find, like, writings of a description of orcs or at least his interpretation or whatever. The same thing with Wizards of the Coast when they were just like... I like the orcs um, from their
0: Cockney. I like the Cockney orcs. Those are my favorite.
1: Oh, yeah, from, like, Warhammer? Yeah, I love those. The 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 shooter boys, oh,
0: technology.
1: <laughs> yeah, Wow. I love that. Yeah. You know, when I first
0: heard that, that people were saying that, I was like, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. Orcs are just, you know, they're like ogres. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that about ogres. I mean, ogres are supposed to be these, you know, gross, you know, huge monstrosity creatures. You know what I mean? They're right. Not, they're they're not human based. They're not or, based or, on any sort of way human right. would be, in, you know, interpreted as. This is supposed to be, you know, a right. ridiculous, you know, thing.
1: Right. No, absolutely. And and another thing, and, and so that eventually fell flat. And then another thing was that Wizards of the Coast of Downs, I, I believe they announced it, uh, that they were doing away with their alignment system. Now, if you're not familiar with D and D or Pathfinder, any of the tabletop, not all t- tabletop RPGs have an alignment system but basically this is a range from lawful good to lawful evil or chaotic evil.
0: Yeah. I remember they did that with the Batman, the chaotic evil Batman. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, so, and there's, there's rules. So back in the old days of D and D I'm talking like the original edition from the 1970s, all the way up to 3.5, which came out in the eighties and nineties. So alignment was extremely important to the rule set of those games because so for instance if you played a paladin your paladin was restricted your character was restricted to being a lawful good character okay and if you by chance like lawful good would be like you have a strict code of honor and if you break that code of honor in some fashion there could be consequences maybe you're if you're a paladin or a cleric your deity loses favor in you and you lose your magic abilities or, okay yeah, there's
0: some sort of yeah there's consequences to your actions
1: consequences to that so now with 5th edition there's really no alignment system uh are you know evil is is subjective you know or good is subjective most most things are are neutral now or you know any or range from neutral good neutral new, true neutral or neutral evil or you know or neutral yeah. chaotic well, neutral just, excuse me was, sorry not it neutral it
0: reminds me of uh, uh, you know fallout where it's uh, everybody
1: hated that <laughs> yeah right 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 were
0: vilified by the community <laughs> and, I think, the yeah,
1: I, and yeah. <laughs> I think this is one of the main reasons why i stick to
0: 3.5
1: yeah i think this is one of the main reasons why i stick to 3.5 and pathfinder is because the alignment system is extremely important to the to the game you know, and with fifth edition, it's just like uh eh, it's 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 more like as Captain Barbosa said, guidelines. You know, and yeah. but really but really true D, all right, true tabletop RPGs, the rule book is nothing but a guideline. You can choose to get rid of what rules you want and what rules you want to implement. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter, you know. So yeah, well, yeah so the gatekeepers, I mean, I, I the strict like... gatekeepers. Yeah, because I feel like go- some
0: of it would be would be limiting. I mean, if you're playing as you know a cleric, or you're playing as you know a bard, mm-hmm. I mean, there could be instances where you're put in a situation where you have to choose something that's technically, I guess, evil. You know what I mean? Lawful evil, right. or you know, something like that that doesn't really fit your character's perceived you know trait. But I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like it would be somewhat limiting. But I mean, it's as long as you don't go overboard. You know
1: what I mean? But, what, but, but, that, but that redemption arc, though, to gain favor, to get your abilities back, that that's great storytelling. You know, I have a buddy of mine. His name is Jake. Uh, we played D&D for, like, the longest of time. And, you know, he would always tell me, like, you know, I need to weave my stories like a tapestry, you know. And I've always taken that to heart, you know. And it, it really makes good storytelling. You know, it, it can also get the players involved into their character because you as a GM, for me personally, I want my, my players to live as their characters in game. It doesn't have to be out of game. But in game I want them to be their characters. Yeah. You know? To feel and, and yeah, I want them to be immersed, and and that's my responsibility to make sure that they're immersed into the into the that's, seat that's, into the situation. That's,
0: that's the whole point. That's the whole point oh. of the whole thing is you want to get that character immersion. And you want to feel as if you are the character that you're playing. I mean, right. it would just be kind of you know ridiculous if you're playing a game and it just feels like, oh yeah, my character rolled a, a, a twenty, and now my character lost an arm. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know.
1: No, I, I I totally get that. And you know, I guess going back to our original point here is that I don't understand very strict gatekeepers when they talk about like certain rules and they call it woke, all right? I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm I guess I would be up there at least you know, people who who have blocked me or muted me on Twitter uh call me an anti-woke person. I don't care about woke stuff. It's a game you can take whatever rules you want out just don't force people just just don't force people that's all you know it's a game enjoy it have fun have fun with your circle of friends don't force others to to do this and for my gatekeepers out there
0: well because i was going to say right now i said that i think most issues that people think are hot button issues are not hot button issues anymore Uh, i mean yeah no absolutely much you know people already okay with it i mean like you know you want your character to be gay that's fine fine. so go for it and i mean most of the issues are not an issue it's a non-issue and yeah no absolutely pushing the fact that a lot of things they want to be issues are now not actually issues i mean i don't think most people care how you play your character i mean it's your character you've created it it's your actions and your choices and that's, most of the time, that's totally fine, as long as you're not being an asshole about it. So, no,
1: absolutely. And, and, and it's my, my hope, it is my hope that in the future, when tabletop RPGs do take over the gaming industry, the, di- the video game industry, that I'm hoping that it goes in the sense of, you know, kind of like how we have modders and vanilla players. Mm -hmm. modders are going to play the game how they want to play by doing by adding mods or creating mods for it and vanilla players are still going to get an enjoyment out of the game without the mods and modders are going to enjoy the game with mods so so my hope is that eventually the same thing will happen to the D D community and even the pathfinder community that it will go in that way like Everybody will still be able to play the game. They're just going to be in their circles and not force others to adhere to the to their circles. Well, yeah, you know, rules I mean, or whatever.
0: Right now, the really popular anime is the isekai game and, uh, genre, which is basically, oh, yeah. you know, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> if you really want to be, you know, over, it might be an oversimplification, but I mean, I isekai genre is basically Dungeons and Dragons. It's like your character was killed and it was reborn in a new world with magic. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah. Wait, this is Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's like, you know, you could actually play this if you wanted to. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. The, the saga of Evil Tanya or Tanya the Evil or Evil Tanya is my favorite isekai. It, it is it is my favorite, favorite uh, I like, anime.
0: Uh, I like Overlord. I think that's one of the Overlord's great. Overlord is good. Um, that that uh, What is the other one that I was reincarnated as a spider? That one's really good, too.
1: I haven't seen that one. Great, now I'm gonna have to add another one to my oh, list it's so of never-ending anime. It's, it's
0: it's funny because um, she gets reincarnated as a spider, but all of her classmates get reincarnated as humans, and so like <laughs> she's has is split off from everybody. So it kind of splits back and forth between the humans and then her, and uh, the way she sees herself is completely different than how she's actually presented in the. You know in the, the the world the anime yeah so, so so like whenever it shows like her character sprite like in her perspective she's like this tiny little cute pink spider and then when it yeah. shows like the perspective of her from other people it's like this massive white vicious looking spider <laughs>
1: jeez man there, there i can't remember what it was it was it it, it showed up on my 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 twitter timeline some dude posted and he said it was like a wholesome anime like that, you know, like Spy, Spy Family or Spy X Family, however you want to, you know, uh, it was a very wholesome anime. Um, I had to add that to my list. I'll probably be six feet in the ground still trying to catch up on my list of anime that I have not watched.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I love getting into anime, but I also hate getting into anime because yeah. you, you get an established anime, you watch the two seasons of it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's it. There's no more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now you got to go out and look for the manga or manga, however you want to pronounce it. And, uh, um,
0: you know, the studio's been canceled. and <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You'll never but but, anyway,
1: but anyways, we're going into a different genre here.
0: <laughs> oh, I know, right? But I'm... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I strongly believe that retro gaming is going to come back, but not in the way that it's coming back now. I think the way well, that it's coming back now is a lot of market manipulation and a lot of people scamming other people under perceived value of retro games, which is causing a lot of huge issues in the retro gaming community. Now you say to... that,
1: now let me ask you a question here. Are you talking about um like okay top of my head um the nes version of duck hunt okay are we talking about games like that or are we talking about just like speed runs no
0: no, no. okay so we'll, i'm gonna get into that in a little bit but i'm okay. talking about you know old style nes games like super nintendo is super popular gamecube nintendo 64 right. games like that those games are you know coming back right now And it's it's interesting because, you know, before you could go, you know, you can go on eBay or you can go to a garage sale and get a Nintendo 64 for like 50 bucks. But now because of all this market manipulation, all these retro gaming, you know, consoles and retro games are, you know, 500 percent increased in price. And it's it's due to, you know, the water games, um, you know, heritage auctions are manipulating the market and uh and then people on tiktok are you know pushing this narrative that oh yeah this game is worth you know thousands and thousands of dollars and (laughs) you go to find out because you know how most things when they're on auction or ebay you can find out how many of those you know yeah things exist in in circulation right like right. You, like if you wanted to go get you know Spider Man number five, right? You could go online and you could look and see how many Spider Spider Man number fives exist right now. How many are out there? What's the price for them? You know who? You know what's what's the quality like? How many are there? You could find out. Video games do not have that, so you cannot go online and see how many copies of you know Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo exists because there isn't any. So right. people are using that to their advantage. So they're going online and they're posting these games under perceived rarity. And uh, there was a huge one for the Nintendo. It was a, a Nintendo NES game for Spider-Man. So what happened was mm-hmm. is somebody posted this NES game for Spider-Man or Spider-Man NES game on Heritage Auctions. And then immediately there was an article that came out from a obscure news News company that came out and said the most rare NES game, no, what did it, what was it called? It said the rarest Marvel NES game is on sale on Heritage Auctions. Its current bid is at $10,000. And then so there was this huge, you know, bidding war on this NES game that came out and it eventually it sold for some crazy amount of money. Well, the day after it sold, the market was immediately flooded with hundreds upon hundreds of copies of that same Spider-Man game for NES. And it was funny because it's like the game was not rare at all. It was actually fairly common. And so people were trying to, you know, get this increase in money. You know, oh yeah, retro games is a, is a money-making adventure now. When before it was just people that liked collecting NES games and collecting Super Nintendo games and uh, it's 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 crazy right now especially because of the the speedrunning communities so if right. you're a speedrunner they highly favor speedruns on original you know original consoles original hardware i mean if you're running an emulator you're seen as you know oh it's not a legitimate speedrun because you're running it on an emulator and so some games they kind of um scaled back the requirement for running it on an You know, um, traditional hardware. Now the ones they're like, no, it's on a separate category, and so it's it's pretty crazy, especially if you're really into the speedrunning communities, um, because those things are very very interesting if you really get into it. Some speedrunning communities for certain games are relatively good, and other speedrunning communities for other games are, you know, a hostile wasteland. But um, it's it's interesting to see how retro stuff is getting an insurgence or a resurgence in the the mainstream media now. So so so
1: emulators. So are these are these games these these retro games are they being played on the original systems or are they ports or are they are or, or like you said are they on emulators?
0: So, it has, so they're in separate categories. So most games, if you look at the speedruns.com website, most of those games and speedruns are on original hardware. So they're playing it on a actual GameCube connected to the TV. And okay,
1: so they're using like a Gato or something like that to stream.
0: Yes. Yeah, they get okay. a, a modified um, – it's, it's a little plug they have to the back of the old consoles that converted into HDMI so they can play it on new TVs. But it's all played onto original hardware. And gotcha. so they're not in any game that's played on, you know, a port or is played on an emulator. They're all in separate categories. So, you know, you could be, say, you know, you could be Wind Waker in, you know, 45 minutes, but you're playing it on an emulator. So you, you can't go on the original leaderboards. You're playing it on a separate set of leaderboards for just emulators.
1: So let me, so let me throw this at you. So if there is like, for instance, let's say, so I'm, I'm assuming, so if you put an emulator like on a Wii and you're able to play original games, it, that still doesn't count because you're not playing on original software. You're playing on an emulator on a Wii, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. It would be considered separate. And then some games wouldn't even accept the world record as being a world record
1: interesting that's that's very interesting and how is the community like is it like is it toxic or is it welcoming like i mean what what do what we look if somebody wants to get in and they have no clue what they're doing do they can they reach out to the community and will they be helpful
0: there's a lot of games it depends on the game so there's a lot of games where there are videos about you know they actually record well it's more common now is that if there's a world record, there's a video that's attached to it and then a recording of their setup, you know, for proof. But if you're a new speedrunner, say I wanted to go out tomorrow and I wanted to set a world record to Mario Kart 8, right? Well, I would have, in order to do so, I would have to record an insane amount of evidence that I'm playing on legitimate hardware. I would have to record the thing. The gameplay, I would have to take a picture of my console, I'd have to take a picture of the ACMI ports, I'd have to take a picture of the controller, I would have to take a picture of the back of the TV, and I have to take a picture of everything so that nobody would accuse me of, you know, cheating. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that are there, uh, since speedrunning is really popular, and then, you know, speedrunners, if you set a world record on something, it comes with a lot of clout and it comes with, you know, a following. And so. A lot of people are using that and they're, they're uploading splices of gameplay. They're uploading, you know, modified consoles or, you know, they have macros on their controller. It's, it, there's a lot of people that are cheating in order to get these world records. And um, usually, cheaters are identified fairly quickly. I mean, most of the time, it's pretty easy for people to figure out if a gameplay is a splice or if it's legitimate gameplay. But some games it's kind of difficult because there was a few speedrunners that were caught cheating because they were using splices, but they were really smart about their splices and it went undetected for a long time until, you know, I think one of them, I think it was either Goldeneye or there was another game. Oh, no, Guitar Hero. So it was a Guitar Hero world record that went up and then I think for about a month and a half – it sat there as being a world record, and then somebody went back in, and they figured out it was a splice. Which is, you know, a splice is where they segment the gameplay. So, say you're playing Mario Kart 8, right? So, mm. you, do your first, you do your first lap perfect. You know, first lap is perfect, right? Perfect first lap. Second lap, you screwed up. So, what you do is you splice it, so the first lap is perfect, and the second lap, kind of shitty... But you redo the second lap again, and then you add it on top of the first lap so that, you know, it, it looks like it's one sequential playthrough when really it's split up into different segments. And then they try to pass that off as, you know, world record when it's not. It's a spliced. Huh. Or Man, I, you didn't, Taz, I didn't. You know, I didn't. That's crazy. Experience. So a TAS run is when they use a computer to fully and completely optimize a run on a game. It's used as a way to determine what would be the best possible outcome of a gameplay. You know, you do the TAS, say you do, I'm gonna bring a Mario Kart game because it's the easiest example. So a TAS would be, you set up a macro to play the game, the, the lap perfectly. And you, you hit every single drift possible you hit every single turn you get every coin you get you know a perfect perfect run every single time and so they would use that as a way to determine hey what would be the best possible time for somebody to run this game on and then they do that but then they claim it it's their own run by hand and they're like oh i did this this is my I, my gameplay and then really it's a task and so that was a huge thing back in speedruns as well. Wow. That is that is pretty crazy. <laughs> yes, people people are, you know... People always find ways of shortcutting stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's like that everywhere. All over social media, people are finding ways to, you know, do shortcuts. Like, um, you know, they're cheating in online games. Like Call of Duty Warzone, people are using stealth cheats. Um, what is it? People are... Botting their own Instagram accounts and botting their own TikToks, and then apparently, I guess TikTok doesn't care about fake engagement for some reason. I've been, you know, reporting people on TikTok for fake engagement, but apparently, TikTok doesn't care. Um, and it's just it's, it's crazy what people get away with, you know, and Spotify is really bad with the fake engagement as well, and apparently. From what I've read is Spotify is getting better with their um, policies against fake engagement, which is is good, but let's just see how that works in practice because apparently the uh, the community for cheating Spotify out of money is is pretty livid is pretty uh lively right now,
1: <laughs> golly. Like
0: we really took, that, a, we really took a, a left turn, a detour. Yeah,
1: yeah, we did. We sure did. There, there, there's clearly there's a lot of stuff that that that, that goes into just tabletop RPGs, <laughs> but you know, but but the the but no, I I I you can add me to the people that agree with you that I do believe that tabletop RPGs are going to take over digital gaming because um triple a gaming has needs to step it up and they have not been able to step it up you know i mean there have been countless times where people have like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna do uh what is it one of those pre greenlit games or they're gonna go to uh, what's this stupid, the stupid the, uh,
0: the terminal alpha phase games
1: right exactly or head over to what's that
0: was that MMO website games? where
1: you can back stuff? I I'm having a brain fart right now. Do you, um, were you
0: aware of the MMO scams that were on Steam for a long time? Yes, that yes. Those were terrible. And My buddy got a couple out, buddies of buddies. Everything gets pushed in back, and everything gets canceled, and everything gets you know redone, and you know these AAA games will come out, and it's nowhere near what was promised. It's just. It's just a mess right now. And then yeah. I feel like people are just going to get sick of it. They're going to be like, well, there's got to be better options for you know gaming. And uh, people are going to look towards retro games. And they're going to look towards tabletop RPGs. And, you know, I think board games may – I i don't know if I'm on that boat yet. Maybe board games will come back. It's, it's really a tough sell for that one.
1: You know – Okay, so I don't know if you remember this, but I, I don't know how heavy you were into the whole tabletop um, gaming, or just been kind of curious and just explored around. But on YouTube, they used to have um, there. There used to be an, uh, a show on uh, tabletop board games. It was, it was actually it was it was actually called Tabletop, mm-hmm. and it was hosted by uh, Will Wheaton. All right. And I know that there are some people who are not a fan of Will Whedon. I'm, I'm, I'm an, I am a fan, but I'm not a fan because he's just, I don't know. He just seems to be kind of douchey or kind of dickish right now. But, anyways, but there was a, there was, uh, he had a, it was part of a Nerdist channel. It was part of the Nerdist channel.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they would have like authors and voice actors and, all different types of people uh, playing board games, and there was a resurgence of board games. In fact, bo- new board games would come out quite often because of a show like this. Yeah, I got sucked into it. I have like an entire closet full of different board games. Some I haven't even opened yet um, because I just don't have anyone to play with. But also no, I too, have, like, I
0: still have a, a the box of uh, the, what is it? That one. The... The, what is it called the the black box the uh oh cards against humanity i still oh, have an man. unopened box of cards against humanity and all the expansions because i don't have anybody to play with <laughs> i
1: i can't play that game me and my wife we we played that game it seemed like every person that we we interacted with had that game and they always it was kind of like Catan. yeah i had friends who always just wanted to play Catan all the time and it's just like don't y'all have anything else to play besides Catan? <laughs> and they'd be like no this is a Catan household and i'm like oh no <laughs>
0: we used to play uh, apples to apples back in the day if you can believe that that was a huge that
1: thing. that's a fun but, game that's um, a fun
0: game but to bring back the the tabletop so there was a podcast that came out i had it up right now it was called um, dark dice it's by um i think it's the fool and scholar or the ones that did it is basically yeah. a D campaign that you can listen to and and participate in, so it's oh. it's the way it's designed is you create before you start you create your own character, and you create you know your character sheet and all that, and then you listen to each episode and then how the episode goes is how your character progresses through the campaign, and so I I didn't finish it, but I mean it was a really really interesting concept, and um. I think it might be something I'll probably get into later on this week. I'll probably check it out when I get after I get home from work but um well
1: why don't well, we should do that together then if that's the case
0: yeah it's it's we it's, should
1: create we should create a, we should create characters we should create characters and then every now and then we should give an update of what our characters have done together
0: That would be interesting. That's, I would really be into that because It'd be like
1: a little bonus little bonus track or something like at the yeah, end of the little, podcast little, or something
0: you know off the record a little extra so yeah, yeah a little extra cliche no <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> name drop i dropped my own name but um <laughs> it's 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 interesting i'm i'm well i'm really excited to see where these next couple years go in terms of gaming because especially since Nobody can get the next gen consoles anymore, so right. I mean, I I don't know any single person that has an Xbox X Series X, and I don't know anybody that has a PlayStation Five. So, <laughs> and what was that joke that in uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, the the stone guy is still playing a PlayStation Four because he still can't get a PlayStation Five. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it'll be it'll be super interesting to see you know if any of these theories plan out because i don't think that vr is at a point where it's going to be accessible to most people i mean vr is a cool concept but i think it's kind of niche right now and well i, I mean the
1: only the only thing you have for vr is like a few games but then i think the big thing is vr chat and that's been hitting the timeline I've been seeing a lot of hate going towards, and I think VR chat's getting review bombed. Well, not maybe not review bombed, but there's a lot of negative reviews currently right now on Steam for well, VR I mean, chat. VR I think chat, th-
0: even that is is kind of not really what is it accessible to most people because in order to do VR chat, you have to have a model, and so if you don't have a character model, you can't really do VR chat. So not only do you have to have the setup to do the VR chat, but you also have to put in the effort to get a character model that you can, you know, use.
1: If you, you a want a custom people... one, but they do have like free ones that you can use. I mean, yeah, but nobody I was... wants to
0: be a generic free VR model character. Want yeah, so you've been
1: knuckles for like a long time.
0: <laughs> well, even those though, even those you have to get the assets and then you have to upload it, and it's this huge hassle Yeah, to I got gotcha. you. <laughs> it's not it's not plug and play. It's not like you go onto the yard chat, pick your avatar. It right it doesn't work right. like that. <laughs> I wish it did, but it does not. Right. No, I like I totally to, get it. A lot of them are only assets to the character model. So you still have to <laughs> upload it in Blender and you have to, you know, piece it together in order to create your own model. It's not there isn't really any that's already pre-designed and people are really picky over, you know, who can use their character models and stuff like that. So you're limited to like, you know, mainstream, you know, Garfield or, you know, Knuckles yeah. or, you know, <laughs> John Arbuckle. are <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do VR chat, but I'm going to be John Arbuckle. That, I don't right. <laughs> that and the, you know, the role-playing VR chat ones, the, the RP where you have to be your character. So if you're Garfield, you have to be Garfield in the VR chat. <laughs> if you're not yeah. a great character, they kick you out.
1: <laughs> and That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to have to go troll some new VR chats now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just be Shrek. <laughs> right.
1: Donkey! Where's my donkey?
0: Oh, man. I don't, I know just go totally around just saying that constantly. Totally bring us out, but the mods for Resident Evil 3... I think were my favorite mods. I I modded the hell out of that game. I made Nemesis Shrek. I made Nemesis Phase Two uh, Waluigi. I made my character. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, the guy from Walking Dead, um, oh Norman Lord. Reedus. <laughs> I made you know different characters like the B from um, B Movie, and then um, what is it?
1: Huh. I remember that meme.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it had uh, uh, you know the panda from Kung Fu Panda. It was it was hilarious, and my wife would sit there next to me. And she, she she would be like, "What the hell are you even playing? <laughs> <laughs> <What's> Resident Evil." <laughs> right. You didn't know Piglet was in Resident Evil. Piglet, Piglet.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, he was. He was he was a background character. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It was... I love modding communities. I love my Skyrim Star Wars fantasy mods that I have on there. So I made my Skyrim Star Wars. So I'm playing <laughs> as a I'm playing as a Stormtrooper with the Darksaber and all the enemies. That's are not Jedi. canon.
1: That's not canon. <laughs> That's not canon.
0: <laughs> and uh you know, all the other playable characters are all Jedi's. So it, it's interesting. I'm an evil stormtrooper with a dark saber. <laughs> <laughs> my my lore is he's he's force sensitive stormtrooper. <laughs> oh lord! But uh, you know, yeah, it, it it's fun. I like I like all that stuff, and I, that's why I always like Dungeons and Dragons because you kind of can do whatever you want. I mean, it's it's your character. If you want to be a jedi then go ahead be a jedi <laughs> nobody's gonna stop you right as long as it's agreed upon beforehand i should say <laughs> <laughs> your character can't be a jedi but i want him to be a jedi all right fine he's a he's a mage with telekinesis and um you know lightning <laughs>
1: it- Fine, knock yourself out, kid. Yeah, that, you that, get them that, that's what you want.
0: Liquors, kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, I think uh, I think there's a there's a really big chance of of tabletop games overtaking game video I think games. So, so. It's it's definitely
0: gonna happen. Yeah, and especially if you know, since COVID's ending, and then you know, I've I've been seeing a lot of those um, you know gaming hubs, little areas. That allow people to mm-hmm. play their tabletop games for basically free i mean you can there's yeah. one i saw that you can rent a table for you know three four hours for like 10 bucks i mean it's 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 pretty cool i mean they have everything provided they got drinks there they got snacks they got everything i mean you just show up with your party and you go to your table and you just play to your heart's content until they kick you out <laughs> so yeah I mean, it, it's cool seeing stuff like that as accessible to people. I mean, you don't have to host it at your house if you don't want to. You can just go meet up at the, you know, the little den and just go chill. You know, Friday, Saturday night. Instead of going to the bar, go to the freaking, uh, you know, little ha- haven. What is it? Gamers Haven, I think is what it's called. You know, think I think so. Maybe that would be cool. You come out with, like, a bar that allows, you know, that has tabletop stuff there was a bar i went to back a couple years ago where it's it's a bar but they have you know gaming consoles you can go and you can play mm. you know old school nintendo 64 they had super nintendo they had you know they had a a raspberry pi with like a thousand games on it you can just sit there and you just drink to your heart's content and play whatever <laughs> game you want with your you know three controllers yeah. You can have a Super Smash Brothers melee, you know, party.
1: <laughs> There's a actually, you know, that's not too that's not a too uh, far off concept because, um, in Monterey, in Mexico, uh, where my wife is from, there is a place called La Guardia, uh, the the guard tower, mm-hmm. and it's a it's basically a coffee sh- shop slash snack bar. You go there. You can. They have board games galore in there. Mm -hmm. You can go ahead and rent board games for like five bucks. You can rent a board game for five bucks, play the board game, eat, eat, drink coffee, have soda or whatever, and then you can move on, or you can pay, you know, an access to get more board games instead of having to pay five dollars. I forget how many pesos it is. It's it's not that expensive. Um, But they also have bigger. I guess, franchises in certain areas to where they have room for tabletop, like for D&D and stuff like that. Um, it's a it's a pretty interesting concept, to say the least. Uh, I have to say, uh, I would love to start something like that here in the States. But then, again, it's niche. You know, board games would have to really start making a resurgence and you would have to plan it.
0: Yeah, you'd you, have know. To know, you would have to know your community. I mean, where, where yeah. do you open it? Is, is there people that's there, people, you know... But I mean, it's interesting. I think it would be something that could be done um, effectively. I mean, especially if you know your push for inclusivity for everybody. I mean, you know, you gotta be the heavy (laughs) and sometimes say, hey, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are killing too many villagers over there. You need to chill. (laughs) Yeah. You were vilified by the D&D community. No. There's, there,
1: there's there's too much pillaging going on, right? But, I mean, but, you know, another thing, another, like, little genre of the, the, the D&D community is what are called murder hobos, all right? They're not really heroes. They're just people who get together, kill everything, and maybe they do a quest or two, but they still end up killing everyone. <laughs> That's why they're called murder hobos. You know, and then some people actually conduct evil campaigns. I was in an evil campaign. Uh, I actually played an evil campaign not too long ago, a couple, about last year. And it was a lot of fun. I got to be a bad guy. And I had so much fun being a bad guy.
0: I always think it would be an interesting idea to do a campaign where you're making it seem like the characters are good, when in reality they're actually evil. And, oh man like,
1: that's that, that that's gonna take some writing
0: <laughs> I mean it's possible you could probably do it where the you, the characters think that what they're doing is for the greater good but in reality it's the opposite that they're actually um, cause massive deaths and you know there's uprisings against them and everything yeah. <laughs> kind of like the boys <laughs> man you're
1: just giving me ideas galore'm I'm, I'm writing down stuff right now now that we started talking about this and i I'm getting ideas for a campaign now.
0: <laughs> oh no. I've got tons of ideas. But um yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff out there that you could, you know, put down on paper and you know, write campaigns and televise it on the internet. No. Um yeah. but I wonder what that would be if, if if that would there would be a um a following if you hosted like live D and D games where people could watch the characters in the campaign you know maybe not on twitch maybe probably on youtube but uh that would be interesting to see if anybody has done that or you know would do that in the future
1: well uh currently right now they have a thing called critical role um it's actually that's exactly what they do um it's a group of voice actors from various video games and oh, cartoons and one tv shows about? and whatnot huh
0: is that the will wheaton one you were talking about
1: no 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 this is a different one this one came this is a pre-pandemic i can't believe we're having to refer to stuff pre-pandemic and that's are funny um,
0: like i asked this question yesterday is it technically post-pandemic or are we still mid
1: we're post-pandemic now I, No, i think we're post-pandemic
0: post-covid yeah <laughs> only, only we were at pre-pandemic gasoline prices okay. right <laughs> uh, i'm ready for um, everything to go back to normal prices
1: i I know right me too i'm
0: not liking this milk this milk crisis yeah (laughs) i i'm
1: um there's a show called critical role and it stars um i can't think of the guy's name i stopped watching it after their first season um matt mercer that's his name matt mercer Matt Mercer is a very well-known voice actor. He's done lots of villains, lots of heroes. He's done lots of TV shows and video games, and his entire crew or his player his players are also voice actors from video games, TV shows, cartoons, and so on. And this is on they have their own channel. It used to be part of Nerdist as well, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But then they they grew actually so big because they would live stream on Twitch. Okay, and this originally started off as a Pathfinder game, and then it just morphed into a d and d fifth edition game. Their first season was amazing because they're voice actors they get into their characters, they have their voices, they have their mannerisms, they have their mood and it's just a and Matt Mercer to his credit is an amazing GM in fact, one of the worst things to ever come to DD as a whole is that new gms want to be like matt mercer on how he runs his games but the only problem is you're not going to get players like matt mercer has
0: yeah
1: you know and that 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 would actually stop a lot of people from playing the game for a little bit and even myself i kind of fell into the trap like man i wish i could you know run a game like matt but you know he has spent the last i don't know several years fleshing out a world, fleshing out characters uh his players have also done the same thing fleshing out their character and they they actually do role playing It's none of this um kind of like what what you would normally get you know from a from a game It's kind of like that meme how what you see is like how RP, how D and D groups start off, and it's like a picture of the, the, the Fellowship of the Ring, at the start, and then how normal D and D groups end. It's a scene from Monty Python, and they're all running away from the castle. Oh yeah. It, you know, um, so then that's what it's like most of the time. But with Critical Role, and this is where the game starts to become mainstream, and it really takes off from there is that you have these group of voice actors that are really serious about their characters, really serious about their role and they live stream it too. And the community is, uh, it's just like any community online. There's a, there's a toxic element to it, but it's very quiet. It's very small. It's not very big. And then there's a very supportive and they develop fan art and the, the, the show itself has grown so big that they now have a massive budget and, they have all these different types of sets and maps and models and things like that it's really cool i know the new season i think they're into like 20 something episodes but the first season had like 90 something episodes and they go on for three hours
0: oh that's crazy
1: three to four hours they'll 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 be streaming like, and wow, it's.
0: I was, I was thinking like, well, I'll check it out, but I'm like three hours. It was time for three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's really cool. The first season was amazing. The second season, the first season storyline was pretty good. The second one had nothing to do, but it's still in the same world. Yeah. And the current season, I think it's the same thing. It's the huh? uh, same world because Wizards of the Coast actually took Matt Mercer's property and made a book out of it uh, a world book for it
0: a module so so anybody can just go in and then buy the world book and then just you know branch off of his you know absolutely his world that's that's neat and i think that that's a cool aspect of D. that if you know you don't want to create your own world you could just buy a world book and then just go off of that you know? oh yeah but then you know still put your own twist to it yeah it's um sure. that that new sure. Borderlands game, the Tiny Tinas <laughs> That game was interesting. The dialogue was just terrible. It was god awful. It was just it was funny because the the posts on the internet were like, just go into the game's files and delete all the audio and uh, um uh scenes. So when you're playing the game it doesn't play any audio and all the cutscenes are removed. It's <laughs> like that's how you play Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. <laughs> you play it with no voice acting and no cutscenes. <laughs> there you go.
1: Okay, so so I'm I'm actually looking at the first campaign of uh Critical Role. It's 121 videos, 121 episodes. And at most, they are about four hours long.
0: That's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out.
1: Yes, I, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's really cool. Um, actually, Matt Mercer ended up marrying one of his players, actually. Huh. Uh, he met his wife on there. And what's so funny enough, the the, the, the group is called Vox Machina, and Amazon actually created an animation an animated uh show based voice actors play their characters so it's pretty
0: it's pretty cool that's another show i've been meaning to watch i was gonna watch it's great it's great is there anything else you wanted to add before i end it no 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 no
1: not at all i think we we said enough and i'm sure we have more for the next episode when we i think
0: we take a little bit deeper dive into it yeah definitely I think it's all really, really neat stuff to cover. Um, and a lot of it is stuff that probably people don't know too much about. And um, it's it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of years progress and see if tabletop RPGs are gonna, you know, make at least some sort of comeback as you know, as is they're more accessible now as they were before. So. It'd be interesting and then you know everything's online now so i mean if you want to get a world book you can just get a digital copy of the world book on amazon and so oh, yeah you know everybody wants everything digitally now so you'd be you know nobody wants physical copies of anything <laughs> which <laughs> you know is the good thing and also a bad thing at the same time but yeah.
1: get your physical copies people get your physical copies please yes
0: <laughs> yes Because it can be removed at any time as, you know, Netflix tends to remove TV shows when you're in the middle of watching them. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, so we'll end it here. Um, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Next time, if you want to check us out live, we'll be on Twitch. Um, That's twitch.tv slash little extra cliche. So thank everybody for tuning in. Thank everybody who watched on the live stream. And have a wonderful evening.